You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, Goat Flippers? I am your host, Lurk. Thanks for checking out this week's episode of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast, the number one hardcore and metal-related podcast on all of the internet. On this episode of the show, I am joined by our first official repeat guest, Maddie Mullins, vocalist and lead frontman for the band Memphis Mayfire. Maddie was the fifth episode we ever released of this podcast back in April 2019. I had a really great time and a lot of fun with Matt on our fifth episode, and I believe that we covered so many things in and outside of music that our rapport for each other carried over into this episode, which made it an even easier podcast to record. Maddie is a cool dude from, you know, doing everything in metalcore to even like his Traeger Grill sponsorship that we kind of talk about and, you know, talk about barbecuing and everything like that. And as of me recording this right now, Memphis Mayfire is getting ready to go out on the road. They have also released a few singles off of their upcoming album, which they may release sooner than later. Uh, They've been kind of juggling dates, but I would expect it to be out in the very near future. Whether this is your first time checking out the show or you're a return listener, if you enjoy the content we're doing here on The Van Flip, please take the time out of your day to go ahead and follow or like us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. And if you have a couple extra seconds and you want to leave a rating and review, we would greatly appreciate that as well. Don't forget to visit lambgoat.com for everything hardcore and metal related follow lambgoat on social media give us a like on facebook and you can find us on twitter and instagram at lambgoat head over to the lambgoat youtube page and you can find all of these podcasts in video format plus other lambgoat bonus content while you're there don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the alert bell so you're always notified when new episodes or content is uploaded and if you want to follow me lurk the host of the show you can find me on twitter and instagram at lurk city that's l-u-r-k-c-i-t-y oh yeah what's this Oh yeah, this is the stuff. Oh no. Oh no. Lambgoat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast, the best hardcore, metal, and everything in between podcast on the internet. And that's coming from me, so you know it's definitely true. Today, it's a special day. Not only is it an anniversary of your first album you guys released, uh, Matt, (laughs) but this is also the actual first time that we've had a repeat guest on the podcast. We had Maddie on the podcast, I think episode like five or six or something wild like that. Yeah. Uh, you came over to the warehouse. We had, it was a little warm, but you know, thanks for sticking that out. It's a sick spot. Thank you. You guys, you guys still operating out of there? Uh, no. Well, I don't do the podcast out of there. No, but we still have access to it. We still do all the graffiti painting and all that good stuff. It's, oh. it's come a long way. It's unfortunately now it's a 24 seven pickleball arena. Whoa. <laughs> so they, I, don't, I don't know what that is, dude. I don't either. But they changed it to – so now it's like 24 hours, membership only. You know, you want to play pickleball, that's where you go. So again, I don't know. I don't play pickleball, but anyway. But Maddie, yeah, Maddie Mullins from Memphis May Fire. And like I said, I think Sleepwalking's anniversary is this this today, right? Or this week? Today, man. Yeah, 12 years. Crazy. Well, congratulations on that. That was on Trustkill uh, of, all, of all labels too. So that was kind of cool too. Yeah, yeah, our our, um, our only full length on Treskill. So yeah, it's been been a long time, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think they lasted much much longer after after that. Anyway, so um, yeah, our, our like the EP we put out right after that came out on the new Treskill, which was called Bullet, Bullet Tooth. Tooth. Yeah, and then um, and then from there we we moved on and went to Rise. Yeah. yeah, as you know, whatever. 
whatever. We are. I think we probably already covered that in the last episode. Yeah. So again, if this is your first time checking out the episode, like the podcast or whatnot, we've already had Maddie on before, and we had a probably a much more in depth conversation, longer conversation. We don't have them as long anymore, so don't worry about it. But uh, yeah, go check it out. It's episode like I don't know four or five or six or whatever. But uh, so this is yeah, the first time we've had a repeat guest on there. We we've had a Connie has uh, she was like a. Not a. She was around while we were doing another podcast, and she kind of like had a little appearance. So, but you're our first repeat guest, so you know history is being made right now, man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I appreciate it. I'm honored. Yeah, uh, and you know, obviously, uh, the big question is new album, new music. Obviously, you guys have been teasing a couple little tracks here. You just recently released another track, uh, but you had released one a couple weeks ago. So I guess the big question is, is um, are we leading up to an album announcement or is this like an EP or? Um, it's not something that we've talked about yet, um, just like publicly. Uh, I, I would say you can look forward to more new music. You know, that's, that's, that's what we're saying at this point. Um, I've been really enjoying just like dropping one song at a time. I feel like when you're, when you put out a record, um, you're forced to be like, here's our singles. Here's what we're going to take to radio. Here's you know, the highlight tracks, here's what we want on playlists with Spotify and Apple Music and all this stuff. And then you poured your heart into these other seven or eight songs and they just like fall to the wayside and people, you know, there's like a small percentage of people that, that ever really pay attention, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm enjoying doing it this way, man. And so all we've said publicly at this point is that there's more new music coming and that's, that's all you got to know. Cool. Well, it's all, I mean, it, it seems like you guys have been busy with, with the downtime of the last year and a half. Uh, with the pandemic and COVID and all that stuff. So it's good to know, I guess the fans have something to look forward to as far as new material from you guys. What are some of the things that you got outside of writing and, and recording? What are some of the other things that you guys have done to kind of like take advantage of the downtime the last like, you know, year and a half? Yeah, dude. I mean, we've been touring full time since I got married. So it was, I guess we had my, my first year of marriage was, was we were living in Washington and, and not touring yet, but I mean, it was just really awesome for me just to spend, you know, real deal quality time with my wife. Not only just like quality time at home, but quality time like locked in your home. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so we did a bunch of projects around the house. I got super into barbecue and, you know, started like uh, using Traeger a lot and cooking all sorts of cuts of meat that I'd never even heard of until the pandemic. And it just was fun, man. Like we just we had a good time and, you know, some of my best friends bought the house directly across the street. So like literally like when you walk out the front door, you look across the street. So, you know, we were like quarantined with them and got to just like hang out a lot. We, I think we were pretty lucky, man. Like we didn't feel isolated from some of the people that we love. Like we had people and that was like probably a lifesaver. You know, it's probably what just like fueled the fire and the energy to like, you know, keep going and, and act like everything wasn't going crazy. And, um, and yeah, and, and then obviously the writing and the recording process was was a big portion of that downtime. And and looking back on it, I think that it was obviously the pandemic was awful, but um, it was maybe the be- the best thing that could have happened to us was forced time off. You know. Yeah. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you guys all live in the same area now, or do you guys still live apart? We all live well. Me, Kellen, and Corey live in Tennessee. Um, Nashville area, but we're like pretty far apart from each other. Mm-hmm. So like I did vocals here in my studio and Kellen tracked, you know, bass and guitar in his studio. And then we did drums at a studio kind of, you know, a few miles down the road from here. So we did it in separate places, but we, uh, we were together periodically. Did you guys, um, use any kind of like other, did you meet online or cause obviously you kind of, I don't know if you met in person or not when you were writing and sending ideas back and forth, but was that something that you did through the internet or was that something that you kind of, you know, pre-demo stuff, uh, sent each other everything? Yeah. So for as long as we've been a band, we have Kellen's like written an instrumental demo and sent it to me. And then I've written vocals, put a demo over it and sent it back to him. It's always been like that, even when we had the ability to be together all the time. So that didn't feel any different for us. Um, and especially since I've done the studio build out in here and the vocal booth build out and everything, it's like, it just, it made perfect sense to do it this way. So yeah, we, we were just going back and forth digitally, which is, I put in a caption on today's post about sleepwalking, you know, our first record. It's like, that's how we met too. We met on MySpace, you know? Yeah. So, um, when we're off tour, Kellen and I 
talk a lot more digitally than we do in person. But our wives are really close, so now we're kind of forced to be together more often. So yeah, yeah I was going to say your spot looks kind of nice there, the studio uh, backdrop. I can only imagine what the rest of it looks like, but yeah, it looks pretty, uh, you know, well maintained. Thanks, man. No, it's really cool. It's it, you know, it's pretty pretty minimalist stuff. Like all, all, you know, I've got a bunch of guitars in here, but what we really only do in here is vocals, and then. I don't even really play guitar much, but I have buddies that come over and shred on them. Um, it's good to have around, yeah. you know. It's just uh, it's it's a creative space, and it's also an office for me. I'm up here like all day, every day. So, yeah, you mentioned you uh, have a Traeger grill. Was that a sponsorship, or did you just have to go out and buy one? It turned out to be yeah, and I have six of them now. Oh <laughs> it's God, like yeah. it's gotten uh, it's gotten kind of out of hand. I've like uh, obsessed, I would say. Um, but yeah, just I've gotten to meet really cool people at that company. It's. I love the people at that company even more than I love their products. The products are awesome, but like it's such an awesome company culture and they take care of their employees so well. And, um, you know, people who like, I hate the word influencer, dude. It's so cringy, (laughs) but like people who like talk about their stuff on the internet, they take really good care of them too. So it's just been a really fruitful relationship. One of the biggest bummers about like the very beginning of COVID is they were about to fly me out to the Traeger headquarters and they had this big, like, party thing where they announced new products and all the stuff. And I was so stoked about it. And then they had to pull the plug, but uh, yeah, man, it's, it's been a really cool thing. And, and uh, I work with like one specific meat company as well, which is an awesome, like, you know, farm table meat company, no factory farming, you know, awesome, like Wagyu beef and stuff. But I don't know how much you want to talk about barbecue, but, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really cool for sure. I mean, we can talk about anything that we've talked about or we haven't talked about in the last year and a half, I guess. So if that's part of the situation, that's part of the situation, Matt. I feel like yeah. we kind of covered a lot on the uh, the previous episode as far as like back history and whatnot. Um, obviously, I was going to ask you like, you know, because the the pandemic and whatnot and you were a big, uh, you're a big voice for like, you know, mental health and such like that. So I was just going to double check in with you as far as like how you've been holding up in the, uh, you know, the quarantine. But Dude, like I really appreciate good. it. Yeah, it, it was it was a blessing to to have people around, you know. And we also we have a friend who's a tattoo artist who just a couple months before the pandemic hit was coming through Tennessee, planning on staying with us for a little while. Um, just she always does when she's in town; she just stays with us and uh, tattoos people all over the city and everything like that. And then uh, she got stuck here, so she was with us for for literally like you know seven eight months or whatever, wow. and we just completely blasted both of my legs. And I was gonna say, did you get some free tats out of the deal? covered now yeah dude we were just literally tattooing in my kitchen uh, like every other day so and we've got some cool like i guess like socially distanced uh activities down close to where we live out here too like we kayak a lot and stuff like that so we can go and and not like have to physically interact but like still be around people that we love and kayak and everything too so I, i my heart breaks for people who we're living in a one bedroom apartment in Chicago and don't have their family there. And, yeah. you know, we're holed up and, you know, barely able to just go to the grocery store or whatever. It just, that sucks. And it wasn't like that for us, you know, like we yeah. felt nurtured through that time and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Same, same here. I mean, obviously, as you know, I'm in Florida and, um, it kind of seemed like we were the butt of the joke for a long period of time as far as the COVID situation, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we stayed open, I think, longer than a lot of people are. We opened earlier than a lot of people ha- did. And, uh, you know, for the most part, it was very strange living here in Florida and then doing these podcasts with people all over, not just the country, but the world. And, you know, finding out what their experiences were and how different they were from mine. And which I'm sure, they, like you said, they're different from yours. You had the ability, you have a lot of nature stuff, uh, nature type stuff up there in Tennessee that you can, you know, go outside and not necessarily be close to people and, you know, still be distanced or whatever you need to do. But uh, it's been very interesting to see just even state by state, how everything has been, you know, handled. So it's crazy. Man, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. dude. (laughs) It, It has been, yeah, for everybody, for literally every single person on the planet, it has been just the craziest thing I've ever seen that. And it's, I, I think that humans are resilient and we've gotten through a lot of crazy stuff, but like to see the divide that it caused, mm-hmm. to see like people who would otherwise usually get along just fine and have awesome relationships, learn from each other and everything that had just like kind of drawn a line in the sand and said, you're a little bit not like me. I hate you. And yeah. I dude, I just, there's more Memphis songs to come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say, let's, Let's piggyback off of the divide and we'll, we'll go into something that brings people together, which is music. So uh, yeah. like, like we said earlier in the, 
like 10 minutes ago before when we started, you guys have released a couple tracks. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong again, it sounds somewhat like you guys are going back in a direction of maybe slightly heavier. And I was curious, I was curious if that will continue as far as you releasing songs and what kind of led to that decision to maybe revisit some of like the old Memphis roots. I think I honestly, you know, being in the midst of a pandemic would make anyone want to write a heavier record. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but we did, we wanted to rediscover some of our roots, some of the stuff that, that gave us our start and, you know, the, the sound that was attractive to our fan base er- early on. You know what I mean? I feel like metalcore got so just oversaturated mm-hmm. that a lot of bands were just like, man, I don't know. There's a new like metalcore band coming out every, you know, five days. And, you know, with Joey Sturgis plugins, you can just sound awesome no matter what. So it's like, I I just feel overwhelmed and overloaded. And I am hearing so many breakdowns. If I write one more breakdown, I'm going to, I'm going to freak out, you know? And it got, and it felt like that. And we were like, well, we, you know, we all collectively as a band, like listen to rock and, and we were like, let's make a rock record. Like that sounds fun. And to us, it felt so innocent. Like it was like, we're going to try something and, and it's exciting and new and like, we'll see if it's okay or if it sucks, you know? And, and so we did. And then like so much of our fan base was like, you abandoned me. And I'm like, no, we weren't <laughs> to do that. We, we just wanted to write a rock record. And, and it was cool, man. We had great experience with, with that, like a lot of learning, you know, like we went to radio with some songs and, and uh, one of them especially did really well at radio and, and really got our foot in the door with a whole new crowd of people, which is mm-hmm. so cool as, guys in their 30s that have been playing music for so long to feel like you kind of have a new experience is is special and rare and so we were thankful for it and we acknowledge a lot of the mistakes that were made with that record like going in with a rock producer and we're talking about broken right we're talking about yeah okay just make it clarify yeah going in with a rock producer and writing 10 rock songs it's like we didn't even process the fact that like you can only service three songs to radio in an album cycle anyways there's only enough time to do that so it's like why why would we not still write songs for radio because we love radio and also write songs for the fans that gave us our start, you know? And, um, and that's what we've captured with this new body of music, you know, not every single song is going to be like this ruthless, like, you know, uh, heavy tune, but the whole, like every, all the new stuff is really riffy and brings back that aspect of our band, which is so fun. And there is a really decent amount of song, of really heavy songs, you know, and it's, yeah. it was a ton of fun to write it ton of fun to like go back to that part of us. And I think that the best part about it is going to be in the live setting. You know, like when we start to tour again, you know, we just played a festival in Wisconsin called uh, Rock Fest and it was like 35,000 tickets sold. It was crazy. Two years off and then going back to that, my nerves were just like, I was like, can I still do this? Cause I, you oh, know, I and, um, and then right when we stepped on stage, it was like, we had never left and the new songs were the ones that popped off the most and people enjoyed them. And, and it's just to have that energy back in a live show, I think is going to be imperative and it's going to just be, it's going to feel, it's going to feel like 2012 again, man. And yeah, I'm excited about it. Well, it's good. It feels like everyone's a little giddy. You know, I, uh, I also had my first show experience back, um, now last week or so I went and saw, uh, speaking of bullet tooth, I went and uh, bullet tooth has a band that signed here minefield and they're more of a, uh, metallic thrash, like hardcore type band. And nice. um, so they played with Madball and uh, it was like a sold out show uh, venue only like it was capped at 200. It was still like it wasn't as packed as it could be, but they capped it at 200. And uh, oh, my God, you know, it was just one of those things. And it's not it's not a thirty five thousand ticket arena or not arena, but a festival. But it was like 200 people in a small room. And it just made me think because I hadn't been I hadn't been to a show like that in uh, you know a year and a half or so. And it, totally. It made me think like, man, you know, 20 plus years ago, I walked into the same little type room, some crusty bar watching some, you know, local bands or whatever, punk bands or hardcore bands. And it's, I've never left, you know, I never left that little room. Yeah. And so it, it was crazy. And it was like a all surreal moment. And I knew that it would be something like that coming back as a, as a fan or as a voyeur of the, of the scene, you know, like I knew it would be like, wow, man, like. I love everything about it. I love that it's 800 degrees in here. I'm sweating my ass off, but everything's too loud. You know, I, I, it was just something I didn't know how much I missed. And because I, I went to shows weekly, you know what I mean? It was something like, oh my God, 
finally we're getting back you know it's just like dude totally it's so crazy how much we took live music for granted bands and fans you know like it it changed my mindset completely where like being back in that space it it doesn't feel i don't even know how to describe it it's it's just like you're thankful for every single thing like even if catering sucks you're thankful for it you know like even if the cheese like my my first time in a porta potty in two years was at, was in Cadet, Wisconsin. Or I don't know how you say the word, but you know at Rockfest, and I was just like, I could just like the humidity inside of a porta potty, yeah. like brought back all these warp tour memories and everything. Oh, yeah. I was just like, man, like I was so lucky to have this, and I'm so lucky that it's back. Yeah, you know, and I, and so yeah, and I I don't know, it, you know, obviously. You know, like Foo Fighters had to cancel their California shows and stuff like that. And it just sucks to see that happening. But um, but I do think that we're working our way back to being like fully, fully back for, for music. And and I don't think we're we're much farther out. And I just am so I, I just I honestly do. Like I said earlier, it feels like 2012 again, yeah, you know, yeah. being forced to take so much time off writing what I believe to be the best body of work of music that we've ever written going back and playing that festival and then just seeing all this stuff like unfolding. It's like, it's like I had time to breathe and now it's all coming back. Like, wow, we're yeah. so, we're so lucky to be here. Yeah. yeah, it's great. I think a lot of people, like you said, won't take it for granted going forward. I mean, there may be some like worries, especially depending on, excuse me, what area of the country you're living in. Obviously yeah. people view everything a little differently. Uh, there might not be as many people going right away but eventually you know we'll get there and uh i, th- I think florida is one of those places though that's just going to go balls to the wall the entire time oh, so dude I, I know if we played a show in florida tomorrow it'd be sold out yeah. you know like it, so, uh, it's just it's like it's people are uh pe- people think differently everywhere you know and it's and it's yeah dude it's awesome yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to to be back in action for sure yeah it's gonna be great man um what do you think? Speaking of the Foo Fighters, what do you think about? Um, and again, you don't have to have an opinion on this if you don't have an opinion. But what do you think about like the Foo Fighters just having a concert for the people that are vaccinated and not having the unvaccinated people attend? Man, I just hate getting into any sort of like political conversations <laughs> at all because I'm not. I'm never outspoken about it on social media right. or anything. Just because, because I know that people listen to conversations like this without grace of course not like what's your background how did you get to that belief i'm so interested that you think that way tell me why like those kind of things it's never it doesn't work like that anymore dude it's like oh you believe that middle finger i'm like whoa you know what i mean like (laughs) it's just like don't you realize that we're both human beings and we're both doing our best with the knowledge that we have and we're trying to make this work and i just I guess I just would rather just not even comment on it. I got you. I got you. Again, that's just me coming from where I'm at and what, you know, the area of the world that I am seeing everything. It's crazy to hear that news. You're like, wait, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like the the Deftones canceled their tour as well. And I'm like, why? You know, like, I mean, like, I could only fathom that it's probably something to do with that. So they're going to bump it back a little bit more. But it's like, Man, everything else is kind of like you know, with sports going on and stuff. Like you know, you saw um, the like I, you're a hockey fan, right? No, yeah, okay. You saw like Canada was not having people in their playoffs, you know. But then you saw when the Montreal Canadiens got to the Stanley Cup, they started letting people in. But then yeah. they started showing like the outside of the arena, and it's mobbed, shoulder to shoulder, ass to ass to front. It's mobbed, you know. And the same thing like with the Milwaukee Bucks last night or whenever they won the championship. Mobbed. Everything is mobbed, you know? So it's like... Bro, nothing makes sense. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy Nothing time. makes sense. And I, I just, you know... And again, I don't uh, want to ostracize anyone that has one sort of belief. Obviously, you have your own belief. And like you said, my thing is I like to understand why and how you got to that. Yeah, that totally. Belief, like, know? what's your background? You know, what have you read? You know, um, and, and, and to hear that and to respect that. Mm-hmm. It, it's completely opposing to your, to your opinion. Like to hear it respect to be like, Oh man, w- you know, we don't see eye to eye on that, but like, we both love these cheesesteaks that we're holding. <laughs> we're, we're both human beings. We both enjoy a lot of the same things. We're way more similar than you think. But oh, yeah. man, just if I learned one thing about COVID dude, like that whole time frame, it's that the loudest voices on the internet are not the majority. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. the people who stir up the most problems and cause problems for other people and cause arguments for other people is not how most people feel. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I rest in the fact that I believe that most human beings have brains. Yeah. You know? and, and like you said, most people do, uh, have more in common with their fellow person, even if they don't like them than they think. Yeah. And it's so, just crazy that we are living in, you know, an, an, an environment these days where people are so divided, whether it be politically, uh, religiously, you know, socially or economically, they're all just, everyone has their own opinion and they are all, everyone's right. No one else is right. Other than, you know, me, I'm right. And you're wrong. So that's the thing, man. Social media did that, dude. It's like, Social media made everyone feel like they had a platform to prove that they were right about something else. Yeah. And it's just like, man, I miss MySpace so much, dude. Like where literally you had like, here's my top friends. Here's my band. Check out our pure volume yeah. page. Here's a paper flyer on a wooden pole. Come out and see us if you want to. Shows five bucks. Yeah. It's like, yeah. what a beautifully simple time that we that didn't was. Know what uh, we, we didn't know what we had at the time. And Tom, you know, Tom got out at the right time, but he also left us just squandering. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. No, man, uh, better times for sure. But yeah. um, still such an endless amount of beauty in the world. And it's there if you're willing to see it. And if you're, you know, my personal opinion, if you're too wrapped up in the news and the media and stuff like that, because it's never positive, right? Um, it's It changes how you see the world. And you're like, oh my gosh, everything's crashing down around me. And the world is falling apart. And like, yes, are there a very decent amount of like crazy people? Absolutely. But if you never had the opportunity to, to watch the news or open your Twitter or whatever, and you walked around, there's a lot of things that are still the same. Oh, yeah. Everything is the same. Everything yeah. is the same. It's just that, you know, how else are they going to get you to click on that article or to interact oh. with that content? They're going to make it tragic or the worst possible. They're not going to tell you everything that's good because unfortunately us as human beings, we're not necessarily attracted to like the best things all the time, you know, tragedy. And, and that's what I mean. It's, it's drama. our fault. Yeah. It's our yeah. fault for always watching the news. It's our fault for clicking the articles. It's our fault for opening Twitter, for buying into things, for responding to Karen and what she had to say. <laughs> like it's our fault, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's like, I just, you know, I have, I have friends that were like so politically wrapped up that they were like actually starting to feel real symptoms of depression. And I just had to talk to them like, listen, you are buying it. Mm -hmm. You're purchasing this, you know, you're choosing every day when you wake up, you know, and this was huge for me with depression. You know, when I was struggling with it every day, when you wake up, the thoughts that you have are something that you chose. And if you are able to focus on positivity and focus on, you know, grace and beauty and the things around us that are awesome, like things that you have, everybody has something to be thankful for. And if you focus on that, your brain actually literally changes yeah. to where that becomes your reality. So there's pain and anguish and sadness. And, you know, on the other side, there's, you know, happiness and joy and freedom. And these are parallel roads that are e they're equally accessible. You can jump into one or the other at any moment. It's your choice. Yeah. So yeah. will you be cynical? And will you look at the negativity and will you buy into that? Or will you choose positivity every day and let, let that become your actual reality? You know, just because you're cynical about something doesn't make your cynicism any more real than my happiness and my joy. It's what we choose. Right. And so, so yeah, it's been a, I mean, this whole time frame has definitely been a choice, yeah. you know, for me. I, I actually had one of these, uh, I don't want to call it like breakthrough situations, but, you know, uh, speaking of like not I don't know if I was necessarily depressed or anything like that, but I also have anxiety all the time and whatnot. But, you know, I realized I recently realized that I definitely suffered from what they call the imposter syndrome and to where like you never really like I would never feel like I fit in even doing this, you know, or like my actual job or within like friend groups and stuff like that. But whenever I found out about what imposter syndrome was, it was easier for me to then go like, you're feeling this way, but you know, there's that thing, the imposter. So you're probably just doing it to yourself, you know? Huge. That is huge, bro. And knowledge is power in that. That's a tool now that you have. Whereas like somebody experiencing panic attacks for the first time driving down the road, you feel this feeling. You're like, oh no, what's that? And you start to freak out and you are feeding the fire. You're putting of logs course. on the fire by just by, by getting really anxious and, and saying, what is that? What is that? As soon as you understand anxiety and you understand the imposter syndrome, you understand your emotions, 
you can look at them. You can look at an emotion. You can look at a feeling as it passes by and you can say, I either want to take part in that or I don't have to because my thoughts and my emotions are not who I am. It's something that I can just observe. And so you feel the beginning symptoms of panic. You you feel the beginning uh, symptoms of anxiety and you're like, Oh, I know you. You're a bully and you've really scared me in the past, but but you can't you can't do that to me anymore. Yeah. I'm bigger than you because I know what you are. Mm-hmm. You know, there's um there's a like an Instagram account. I think it's called like Panic Free TV, or that's at least like the website or whatever, but this guy's name is Michael. And it's the things that he posts are all of the thoughts that I had when I was struggling with anxiety that I couldn't. I couldn't close. I couldn't figure it out. So I would feel a feeling and I wouldn't know what it was or where it was coming from or why it was happening. And so I would immediately panic. And if I only had this knowledge that anxiety is actually a good thing, it's, it's a false alarm, um, that your body needs that alarm for when you're actually in a situation where you need to be in fight or flight. As soon as you understand it as a false alarm, it can no longer attack you. Mm-hmm. And there's people that are like, dude, once you have anxiety, it'll never go away. I'm living proof that anxiety can go away. There's always going to be human anxiety, like little things here and there that can spike anxious feelings and everything like that. But if you have the tools and the knowledge and you're equipped with these things for when that comes on, it cannot put you into full-blown panic or full-blown fight or flight anymore. It can't because you know it too much and you know that you're bigger than it. So sorry about that, dude. I can go and all that. But but yeah, it's incredible how powerful knowledge can be about yourself. And no, yeah, especially in knowing like what makes certain things stem from, you know, like what makes certain feelings rise and what, what that stems from. Totally. Yeah. yeah um, and it's insane. I, I want to kind of get into some cancel culture type thing. Cause obviously since the last time we talked, you kind of dealt with a little of like, you know, your past coming back to haunt you. And obviously that's like a kind of a thing, whereas, uh, that's been going along, you know, going on for everyone, not just you in particular, but like anyone in any kind of spotlight, you know, and I find myself uh, going through like everybody every day goes on Facebook and Facebook wants to remind you like, hey, did you know, depending on how long you've had your account, like I've had my account for like 13, 14 years. So yes. by all means, if we're going to comb through any of my posts for the 14 years, it's not all going to be great. So you know, one of those things like it'll come up 10 years ago or whatever, I'll see, I'll see a sentence I wrote and cringe so bad. So, totally. Yeah. So how was like dealing with being kind of like, you know, a target for that? And like, what's your opinion on the cancel culture like system? Man, it's so, it's so tough. You know, like I said earlier, like the loudest voices on the internet are not the majority. Right. right. Um, and that's, that's so important to remember, but it's so tough having, you know, fans, that you love and that you respect and that you're so thankful for develop an opinion about you that's untrue based on uh, a joke you made or something stupid you said on stage. Like I've done this, like I've been in this band for 15 years, you know, like I've said things on stage. I'd never should have said it's so stupid. I was young and ignorant and, and just too free, like too, like, like I didn't even know what I was talking about <laughs> until it like came out, you know, and with this specific last thing, you know, I was, young and I was just, I was used slang that I shouldn't use. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was that, it was that simple. It was obviously not hate fueled, obviously not, you know, something that was intended to hurt anybody in any way, shape or form. And like, it was, uh, it was, it was a mistake from when I was young, dude. You know what I mean? It was a voicemail and it was just so like, at that time, like just so lighthearted and stupid and you're saying things to just try to like, you know, like make somebody laugh on the other end or whatever. And then somebody takes it and puts it in the wrong context. And then a lot of people believe something that's not true. And, and that it just, it can, it can happen to anybody. When you grow up in the spotlight, you know, like anything like that can come back and people are like, oh, no way. Did you hear? And it's just like, no, like follow me on social media to get a taste of who I am and then meet me in real life to really know who I am. Mm -hmm. And you just have to kind of come to terms with that. Like as an adult, especially, you know, like in the music industry or any industry that like, there's going to be a lot of people out there that have never met you that have a false opinion about you. And that's okay because the internet is the internet and it will always be the internet and people want negativity and people want that kind of information. And so it just is what it is. And it sucks, man. I feel like, Cancel culture is really dangerous um, because as what it says is 
if you make a mistake, you are no longer worthy of blank, right? right? And as human beings, we have to make mistakes to be able to rise from the ashes, to be able to learn, to be able to grow, to be able yeah. to become yeah. the best versions of ourselves. It's all about growth. And, and if you don't allow someone to grow, then what's the point of even calling them out? What's the point of living? Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, yeah. So it's like, it, this, is, this is an essential part of the human existence, making mistakes, realizing that you made a mistake, growing from that mistake, not making that mistake again. That's essential. What cancel culture does is it puts a stake down and it's like, oh, you made the mistake. Yeah. No, never again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean there, like, are, there are definitely some people maybe that should fall under that, you know, that category, but not everybody, yeah. not everybody that makes a mistake. Of course. Of course, there are things out there that are disgusting and inhumane and unforgivable. Absolutely. Like we're not saying uh, Harvey Weinstein should get a second chance or anything like that. That guy has no. done, but you know, it's different from like you saying something 10 years ago. It is, man. It is. And that's the craziest thing too, is like having something happen 10, 11, 12 years ago that comes up and you're like, whoa, like. <laughs> yeah, I can only what? imagine. <laughs> you're just like, you know, like, what are you talking about? I am, this is not who I am at all, you know, like, and they haven't been for a very long time. So Does it ever cross your mind to like, just not even, in, not even like acknowledge it like because i feel like sometimes like if bands or people in general acknowledge things it could make the situation worse whereas like no i'm not going to give any energy to that because like obviously like you're and i'm not using your particular you know, situation as an sure. example but like you know sometimes people are just trying to get clicks or trying to get an article published or try to get their little cloud on the internet or whatever and they're looking for any and everything and i'm sure that now that I've said something about it, obviously someone's going to comb through all my tweets or my posts on Instagram or whatever, and I'm going to get called out. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, dude, it is. It's clout chasing is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, whatever happened, like, did not personally offend this person, right? It's just like, I'm looking for something that will bring attention to me and, like, make me look like the hero. Like, that's what the whole thing is, dude. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's, yeah, you just, I... I, I chose to address it because I hated the idea of somebody wanting attention and then convincing fans that I'm so thankful for and that I love so much that I am something that I'm not. I wasn't willing to let that happen. So I was like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and of course, I wouldn't like use that word in like this current season of my life, obviously. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's just that, man. I mean, I was so thankful for all of my friends and family that I had around me that like know me, you know what I mean? Um, I think about other artists and stuff that, that don't have that kind of like real connection because they're so famous that they've like lost touch with so many people and everything. And then something like that happening. And you're just like, who knows who actually knows who I am? Like, does any, does everybody believe this crap? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I was, I was just thinking, I was like, I had like a, so many people in my corners being like, dude, that's so stupid. Like, yeah, you're loved, you, you know, you're cared for, like let people talk. And and that's what it is, man. At the I end think of the day. When, I, when, I, when I heard about it, read about it, I was like, oh, here we go again with Maddie. Just it's another, another one of these things. So we talked about the previous one on the last podcast, but you know, it's one of those things too, where it, it I don't know, man, cancel culture is just, I would, I'd say it's a negative thing all around. Obviously, it, it probably brings a little bit here, uh, a little bit to light here and there. And obviously, it does, af- it will affect like the culture going forward as far as like maybe we'll be more mindful of like, you know, what we say or joke about in general. But like you said, nothing is out of like spite or hate or anything like that. And even like, I don't necessarily know you, um, you know, well, but you know, we, we did have the previous conversation, uh, you know, two years ago and I didn't, when I, afterwards I was like, man, you know, and that's the cool thing about this podcast is like, I may have like an opinion about somebody that I have on the show and then I'll talk to them for a long period of time. And I'm like, dude, that guy is just like me. And we're all like the same kind of person. Like the most, that's how it should be. Yeah, <laughs> that's how the, it should be. The biggest eye opening one was Franz of Attila. You know, like I had no idea about him as a person. I just knew of him as his persona online. And then, of course, we get into a conversation. I'm like blown away by just like what kind of guy he is, and, like what he's done outside of music and stuff. So it's it's crazy. Although he still does live that online persona a little bit. So it is what it is. But yeah, sure. No, man, I wish I could do, you know, a million podcasts, sit down with every single one of our fans talk to them one-on-one get to know them and let them get to know me but man people will 
people will read what they read and people will say what they say. And it's, you just have to have peace, man. You just have to have peace about that because there's no way that you could ever control that. And as humans gravitating towards negativity and gravitating towards doing like disgusting things to get attention and, and all that kind of stuff, it's like, if it's happening, it's happening. You know what I mean? This is the industry I'm in. It's, if it's happening, it's happening. Yep, so Unfortunately. Hey, let's talk about some music again. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I would like that. Okay, cool. Uh, the singles that are coming out, are they coming out underneath Rise again? Or is this something that Memphis Bay Fire is putting out solo? Or, or where, where is it coming from? Yeah, we signed to Rise. Um, our third record deal with Rise, uh, like shortly before the pandemic started. Um, and so, yeah, everything's coming out on rise. They're, they're very much family. Um, Sean, who's been, you know, our A&R and day to day and, you know, like runs the label now, um, is just, he just knows our band and he just, you know, like we, we love him and respect him so much that it, it just makes sense to, to, to continue going back with them. And that's not to say we'll be there forever. Who knows? You know, like something crazy could happen. Who knows? But, but for the foreseeable future, that is our home. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, <clears throat> because you are a band that's tried to do the rock band thing, um, you know, in the past records, it's crazy to see like, you know, people hate on big bands. And I also can be guilty of this in the moment. Uh, I can hate on these big rock bands, right? Whereas like uh, Disturb, and I don't want to, I'm just using these bands as examples, I'm not saying that I hate these bands, but like, uh, disturbed five finger death punch, these kinds of like big, big headliners on these major rock festivals. Like I used to like really, really just hate it, you know? And then I would hate when like a band would do something along those lines of like, try to get out of like what I'm used to them being, you know, Mm -hmm. being a part of. But then I started thinking, okay, well maybe I'm, it's obviously me being selfish, but like, my big thing now with this podcast and with Lamb Goat in general is like, how can I get more people to listen to heavy music, right? Because my audience is obviously small and it's going to be small regardless. But how do we grow that audience to bigger as far as like the people that I can connect with? Obviously, they have to be listening to heavy music. So how do we get people listening to more heavy music at a younger age or something like that? And so it's when I started realizing that and thinking it that way, I'm like, oh, of course, yeah, these big bands are thrusted in front of everybody, right? And like, obviously, yeah. they might like start listening to Slipknot or or Drowning Pool or <laughs> Disturbed or whatever. But then they'll like fall into like they might find your band, right? And your band's doing their rock, their version of a rock thing. And then yeah. even from that, you know, they may like that, and they may even get even further down the rabbit hole. And then next thing you know, they're listening to like Dillinger Escape Plan or some crazy other band, you know, and they just yep. they're finding it. So it's it's crazy how that works and how your fan base obviously will change uh, as that goes forward. And someone that I always kind of reference is bring me to the horizon. Um, you know, they've done so many other things outside of what they were originally, uh, you know, they were like a death type metalcore band. And, you know, again, every album they release, uh, this is something I say about them all the time. Every album they release, they may lose part of their core audience from back then, but they mm-hmm. amass a bigger following to the, you know, the regular person, you know? So yeah, it's a good and a bad thing for some fans, you know, but it also is a good thing for the genres in general, because it opens up so many more people to the sound of like heavy music. Totally. I mean, dude, radio and radio rock bands are act like 100% a gateway drug to heavier music, you know, like people will, you know, and, and all the respect in the world to, to corn and five finger and, you know, like those bands, because they, they are doing what they know. They're doing what they love. And, and it's obviously, you know, widely appreciated by a lot of people, you know. Um, but, you know, like our last record wasn't what it wasn't that, you know, it was Memphis writing rock songs. It didn't sound like <laughs> any of those bands. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. You know, maybe you grew up, in, you know, like on the East Coast and like got into hardcore because it was like a local scene that like, you know, brought you in and, and you felt welcome there. And, uh, you know, maybe you grew up in the Northwest and, you know, where I did, where I was real close to Seattle and the tooth and nail solid state thing happened. And that's how I got introduced to everything. And, but, but for people who didn't, you know, and, you know, found, you know, this, this band on this rock station that 
you know, had similar artists on Spotify that went to other similar artists, went to other similar artists. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the five finger fan is like really stoked on Norma Jean's first record. You know, it's like all of it just needs to be appreciated and and comes back to, to grace, man. It's so funny because it's so cool when you're young, especially to hate anything, but (laughs) what you know, and what's right in front of you. And if it's the same thing with cancel culture, it's like, if you got, 15 minutes to sit down with one of these like singers or guitar players or whatever from one of these like massive active rock bands, you would just be like, Oh my gosh, I was so wrong. Or you if know? you listen to like, they're not singles, you know what I mean? Like don't listen to their, like spend 15 minutes with an album that maybe isn't their best album or like their fan favorite album for like the masses and maybe sure. not listen to the singles. And chances are, you're going to be bobbing your head a little bit and wanting to listen to another song again, you know? Totally. But even if you were to never get into their music, even if you never found a B-side that you loved or whatever, sitting down with these humans, you would realize, man, why do I devote so much mental energy to hating these bands? Like, I should just be happy for them, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I should just be happy for Five Finger because they're, like, headlining everything. And their fans are so devoted that they buy six physical copies each. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I should just be stoked for them and then go back and listen to what I was listening to and be happy, you know? Um, but, you know, another thing, too, is, like, we need those kinds of bands in general because those bands, again, attract people to a genre of music that they may not really get into. And, you know, you... People also need to understand that, of course, like bands grow and mature over time and stuff like that. But also other things play in a part like bills become more, you know, life becomes more. There's there's a way there has to be a a happy medium for this person or this band or these the group of people to create this art that is enjoyed by many. But also if like you're not going to as the fan, if you're not going to take the responsibility of supporting that person, then this kind of art won't be around forever. And so like there's, that's why, you know, some bands do branch out or want to branch out in general. So it is part of the whole culture, the whole process in general of growing the scene and growing, you know, business. Yeah, yeah. totally, man. I mean, like we, we saw a trend of, you know, a lot of our like, Warp Tour fans from 2012, 2013, <clears throat> you know, getting into Post Malone. And how could we blame them? We listen to Post Malone too. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm like, as, as people kind of exit the rock world and then in, re-enter the rock world. And, and dude, honestly, I'm so thankful for that MGK record because that brought like distortion with guitars, like back to pop radio and like to the top of the charts. I was like, this is awesome. Even if it's not like the record I would have written, it's still so good for rock music in general, just as a whole, like mm-hmm. as an umbrella. And so it's like, we were, you know, in a, in a place where it's like, like I said earlier, so much saturation we're so burnt out. We've been like writing, recording, touring the, this genre of music for so long. It's like, wouldn't it be fun to like try something else? And uh, if, if fans can see it from that perspective, you can just appreciate it in a different way. Yeah. You know, appreciate that. Yes, it is a business. Yes, my thoughts and my opinions and my taste in music isn't the only thing that matters, you know. And just because I feel some way doesn't mean I'm right, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that if, if we could see it for that, it would be totally fine for someone to watch a music video. Like I don't, for the life of me, I have no clue how you would ever hit the thumbs down button on a YouTube video. That like <laughs> blows my mind. Like you, <laughs> how like narcissistic is it That's to watch and listen to something that someone else created that they deem as art for themselves and to be like, and then walk away. You're like, wait, what? If you don't like it, just did, don't listen to it. It takes, more, that, it takes more effort to hit that button than to do anything else. It's so crazy to me, bro. I could never imagine ever like watching someone's art and being like, this sucks. You yeah. know? Like, it's so crazy because there's a million other bands out there to listen to. Uh, I'm sure whatever it is that you listen to is cool. So just like stick to that if that's what you want to do. But like, don't like, you know, don't like make someone feel bad about the art that they made, whatever. Anyways, I'm going down a rabbit hole and it's like, there's no way that world's ever going to exist. No. It's just something that I don't personally understand at all. I get it. Know? I get it, man. So you were, we were talking about the Traeger grills earlier. And for those who don't necessarily know, those are like high end smoker grills, right? Like they're pellet yep. grills. Yeah. Uh, you have a Cabela's hat on, you live in a uh, kind of like a rural area outside of Nashville. I'm not saying Nashville is rural, but you have the ability to have like 
hunting. Do you hunt? Do you do anything like that? Especially now that you're a grill master? I've, I've never been hunting. Um, and I don't know if I would enjoy it. Hmm. Um, but no, I, I haven't, uh, you know, I've been offered like more times than I can count. Uh, we fish, you know, like we fish a lot and, uh, we do enjoy outdoor stuff. You know, I'm a ginger, so I have to hit that SPF 100, yeah. you know, all over before yeah. I go out. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't hunt. Yeah. Uh, just, just enjoy the outdoors. Interesting. I mean, it's, uh, obviously, um, with your being a grill master and smoke master all of a sudden, you know, maybe you might want to pick that up. I don't necessarily hunt all the time. I've been hunting and, you know, like I, I could probably tell you it is a little rough the first once or twice you do it. But um, yeah. once you get, it's like a relationship with the food, I guess, whatever you want to totally. call it. Totally. Absolutely. And, and all the respect in the world for that. Um, I guess it just hasn't been a big enough, like I, I got into barbecue because I like to eat. You know what I mean? So um, the appreciation of it has come along with that. But I, I, I got into it because I wanted to feed my friends really good food. Yeah. You know, uh, it's all it's all like about community for me. So the hunting thing just hasn't even really come up as something that I wanted to do. But who knows? Who knows in the future? We'll see for sure. So as someone who's been around the country and let alone the world uh, with the band, um, who's got the best barbecue? Uh, outside, Texas. Of, out, outside of Maddie Mullins, you know, back in the grill, but, uh, <laughs> Texas, Texas, Waxahachie, Texas is where, you know, there's this company called meat church down there. Uh, Matt Pittman is, uh, just kind of like a, a God in that barbecue world. Um, and I mean, yeah, I think Texas barbecue is simple. It's salt and pepper. There's no like fluff and it's great barbecue. You know, it's always done right. Brisket's amazing. Um, you know, I think there's different types of barbecue that are good that are better in different places. Like I wouldn't say Texas is the place for wings, uh, but you know, like brisket, stuff like that, like Texas all day long. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, they don't, so there's, there's sauce free down there. It's only uh, salt and pepper. Um, it's just that they don't get too fancy with the rubs. You know, I think like barbecue sauce is obviously an essential part of barbecue, but, but you know, like as far as the rubs, you know, like even me, like I, I don't do a lot of Texas style barbecue cause, cause I, I, I wouldn't do it right. You know, like I'll, I'll do, you know, like I like to hit briskets with like a heavy salt and pepper rub, but then I also like to top it off with like ancho espresso rub, you know, like mm. get some of that like coffee flavor in there. It's rich and it's, it's a great way to top it off. So, um, that's, that's how I do it. But if you, if you go to Texas, you'll, you'll kind of, even just like taking a bite, you kind of be like, oh, they started this, you know, mm-hmm. is, is how it feels for sure. So it sounds like you've been spending a lot of time Googling and YouTubing just barbecue stuff over the last year and a half. It's a lot of Instagram for me, man. Yeah. Like a lot of the barbecue, a lot of the accounts that I actually like pay attention to on Instagram now are like barbecue accounts. And, and it's crazy because barbecue has a community just like music where there's like people that are really rude. And then there's people that are really smart and there's people that are really educational. And I mean, Traeger in general, like their Instagram account is incredible. It's like some of the most well done social media I've ever seen from any world. And it's, uh, it's really great. And they've got a guy that works for them full time that just all he does is cook every single day. And his name's Kendrick. His name's Benny Kendrick. Um, but I've just connected with him. He's been so helpful with like tips and tricks and stuff like that. And I've met this other guy named Sasquatch. His name's Matt Crawford, but he goes by, goes by Sasquatch. And his whole thing is that he goes out into the woods, finds really beautiful nature scenes and cooks a steak in front of it. And that's like his whole Instagram account. And I followed him. I was like, this is incredible. And so I was like, can I come up there and and go in the woods with you and barbecue. And he was like, yeah. So Traeger sent me up there and we made a whole video. It still hasn't come out yet. Um, I brought like a videographer with me and we literally walked through the warehouse reserves, some of the most beautiful land in the entire country. And like over these like bridges, over these waterfalls and like found these little like nooks and set up a grill and made steaks and just ate steak sandwiches like in front of waterfalls. And it was like, it's an incredible experience, you know? I will, I, I want to say from, uh, from someone who wasn't involved in, in that particular, uh, situation that you were, you know, you were in, I've definitely watched endless videos on YouTube or Instagram where someone has either caught and caught like catch and cook a fish or yeah. they've taken some kind of like meat they bought somewhere, gone out, had a campfire and just like cooked on a stone or something like that. So yeah. there's definitely a big market for that. And, uh, it's crazy, bro. We, we did a, I did a video for Traeger where, um, we went out to the keys and we got on this like giant boat and we put a Traeger on the boat and we went out and we caught yellowtail, mm. and brought them in, flayed them and cooked them like that. Like that in like that, that a matter of minutes. it was the craziest experience and we had the best time. Um, but yeah, like that kind of stuff, like that people, there's a huge market for barbecue. Like if you're not in it, you don't really see it. 
But the second that you start getting into it, it's like all of your ads on Instagram are just like oh, grills, yeah, 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 grills, yeah, yeah. grills, you know? It's crazy. So um, mine's barber. Yeah. Mine's barber videos for some dumb reason. It's just barber videos of like from all over the world. People getting I get a lot of those too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Well, you do. You, are you still doing the uh, the beard and hair thing? Like you were, you were, you had a business last time we talked, so you're like doing a little bit of everything now. But are you still doing that? Yep, on point pomade is what it's called, and and I mean we're we're uh, we're online only. Like we don't have a brick and mortar, so we were able to survive during COVID that way. You know, sales did slow down because people weren't doing their hair as much. Yeah, you know, because they weren't going out, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's picked back up, and it's it's really cool, man. We've got people all over the world that use it, and uh, we handle all of our own fulfillment and everything. So it's it's been. It's it's still been like a really wild ride, but I love doing it. I, I would have a hard time giving it up. Are we uh, are, are we going to grow your beard out any anytime soon? Or did you have a did you have a pandemic beard and you just kind of turned I it off? didn't because during that broken cycle, I had like a, a really big beard and it just made me look stupid, dude. <laughs> like it it's not right on me, you know. Like I have I so you. many friends that grow these rad beards, and I can grow a, a a thick beard, but as soon as it starts growing in, I just start looking like like ginger Santa, like this, like it kind of like it's twists wavy. a little bit middle and everything. And and yeah. It's just, it's not a sick beard. Yeah. It's I, long. I have a little long since the last time we met. I mean, I've grown it out just a little bit, but the main thing is that I've noticed or that I've started doing is I had a beard, uh, like a long 12 inch plus beard at one point, but I never, yeah. I never let anyone touch it. I never went to a barber shop. I never let anyone do anything to it because I was like, no, nah, dude, like, do you understand like how long it took to get here? I'm like, don't want anything to ruin it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I started going to a barber and I was like, you know what? Let's just see, let, let's let him trim the beard. And then I just kind of started letting him do that. And so it's been like a month and a half since I've gone. So it's a little, yeah. little raggedy right now, but I feel like I'm going to continue doing that. And I don't know how long I'm going to let it go, but. You know, totally, bro. I mean, for some reason, like, like a really skilled barber trimming your beard is way beyond anything that you could ever do yourself. And it's not that complicated to trim a beard, but when they do it and shape it so that it like actually like complements the shape of your face, you're just like, bro, I didn't even know that was possible. Um, and we've got some really, really killer barbers here in Nashville. So I'm all up in that culture and it's awesome. There's a, sorry, there's a nonprofit here called Nashville street barbers. And once a week they go downtown and do free cuts for the homeless. And it's, uh, it's a really cool thing. So I've gone down there and donated a bunch of pomade and, um, tried to just spread awareness for what they're doing because it's so cool. And, uh, and they're, they're not just like kids getting their, you know, like barber's licenses. They're like really, really great barbers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it's cool to see them doing that. But anyways, yeah. I definitely have seen a lot of those videos come through on my Instagram and it's crazy because like, obviously like, you know, as a regular person who's maybe not homeless or whatever, like you can tell like when you have scraggly hair and, or, or, and, or beard that when you get a haircut, you definitely feel just like, Oh, I feel completely different now. So it's great. I wish more, I wish more guys knew that like there, it's a difference in how you feel inwardly and outwardly when you go to like a proper barbershop versus going to like a great clips, you know, it's, it's, it's full on experience. And yeah, I'll never just, go to great clips uh, again, haircut or great clips or any of those things. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I've never had a good experience myself, but you know, like your barber should know how to use a straight razor, you know, and your barber should know how to do a proper fade. And it's like, if you go in, trust them, let them do what they think w- would be best, you know, not your traditional, like cosmetologist cut and, uh, and, be wowed, you know, yeah. it'll change your life. And chances are, if you're a hardcore kid or a metal kid and you grew up in the scene, those are the same dudes cutting your hair in general. Yeah. They got neck yeah. tats, they got all sorts of stuff. So every, you'll feel at home, you know what I mean? <laughs> Straight up. Now, the only thing that I wish that mo- more barbers did was like the Turkish, like mess you up massage and like esthetician styled stuff. I would, I would love to find a local person that would just like let me get like pampered, so to speak. Oh, dude, it's so rad. I've, I've had those kind of cuts like all over the world. And they have like the, you know, device they like stick on their hand. And it's like a massager and they just like slap it on the back of your neck. And you're just like, oh, you know, it's like, this is so rad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, it can really, it can really be an experience and it can get really expensive. You can walk out spending a hundred bucks at oh, the barbershop yeah. real fast, you know? <laughs> then you feel, then you understand like why your girlfriend or wife spends the same amount of money, you know, on their, yeah. on their hair or stuff. Yeah. My wife will spend like a few hundred dollars getting her hair like colored or something. And I'm like, that's really expensive. And then she's like, 
you get cut like once a week and it's like 50 bucks. I'm like, you're right. Yeah. And <laughs> the logic doesn't make sense. My sister is a, a hairstylist as well. So I'm very privy to like how much everything costs in general, but, um, crazy man. Yeah. What else have you guys been doing through the pandemic? Like how has Memphis May Fire kind of like pivoted as far as like, you know, as a band, like, did you guys do any kind of like different live stream events or Twitch or anything like that? Like to connect with your fan base? We didn't do it a live stream because we hadn't put out new music yet and Broken already felt old. So it's like we could have gone back and done like an anniversary kind of stream, you know, like that style of thing and just played like an old record front to back or whatever. But we were so in the zone with writing the new stuff and so stoked on it that we didn't want to um, we just didn't want to do anything like we wanted to just make this this, you know, collection of music as as great as we could possibly make it. And um so we didn't do any of those things. And I wish I would have gotten into, into like personal streaming, like not like gaming. Cause I, I'm not good at it, but like, you know, even barbecuing or whatever, like oh, yeah. had like, there's still time. time Matt. There's still time. Cause I think people would actually really enjoy kind of like being there while I'm doing some more like of the intricate kind of barbecue stuff. Of course. Uh, but, but I never did. I was, you know, it was really about, it was about the record is about barbecue it was about spending time with my wife. And um, you know, and that was it. Seeing, seeing friends when we could. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, there's still time, Matt. You can still barbecue on Twitch, bro. By it's like now, now that people are getting vaccinated, you're like, I can't stream anymore. Right. Like, this sucks. No, you could definitely stream. People are, and that's the thing. I think that's going to be kind of like a culture. And, but, you know, over the pandemic and doing, and I've worked in uh, my, my regular job, we actually did a, um, there's a there's a project that I was part of, Songhouse Live. It's it's ongoing right now. It might not be going on when when this comes out, but it's a an, a house where artists are living in and they're competing for a record deal with Capitol Records. And it's live streamed twenty four seven. There's six cameras set around the house. Not everything is live streamed. Obviously, there's private areas and such. But sure. a lot of the content that they do is also streamed on TikTok and Instagram and stuff like that. So it's a reality show. It's not on television. That's crazy. And um, Dude, the people will watch you do the most mundane thing. It doesn't matter. Like there was a girl who would like fell asleep on the couch, and they would make like Instagram accounts about her or or memes, you know, like about it. They and they loved it. They were like, "It's so cool seeing so and so live like this instead of like um, you know just on TikTok or Instagram." So you know, you might want to bust out the old television, or not television, the old cell phone and hit up a little live stream and get your Traeger grill on, you know? Yeah, honestly, I might. Yeah, you've inspired me. I think I might get the job done. Who's this? This is my dog, Jovi. You didn't meet her last time, but she's a two-year-old boxer. She likes to sneak in every now and then. So dope. That's awesome. I've got my dog here with me, too. That's cool. What kind of dog do you have? Uh, we have a Yorkie, and he's, uh, he's 15. Oh, he's wow. mega old, and he has surgeries all the time. We just know once a year he's going to have surgery for something. Yeah. Uh, this last one, we had like some growths removed and he's had like both of his eyes, like the equivalent of like LASIK done where they, you know, drain cataracts like from his eyes. And um, he's had it all, man. Yeah, it's like, crazy. It's crazy how much you spend on these things, right? Yeah, it's wild. He's uh, he's happy as can be though, man. I mean, he's still young. He's still, you know, like humps a stuffed animal every day and, you know, <laughs> gets good. super excited when Britt gets home. And, you know, like, so we're just, we're just stoked to let him keep kicking. Cool, man. Well, we're hitting about an hour and that's usually kind of what we do and um, we do here now, but it's been very easy, just like last time with you, man. You know, it's a great, you're a great conversationalist, so it doesn't seem like I have to work too hard. Is, yeah. there, any, is there anything else you kind of want to just like, you know, let the fans know or let the people know about Maddie or Memphis May Fire? Oh, oh wait, oh, wait, one more question before. Yeah, yeah, let's do uh, it. Because you, the pandemic, you know, was early 2000 and you guys had released broken. This was like someone, someone asked me to ask you this. So that's why I'm asking at the last second. Yeah. Um, is there, did you guys do a sleepwalking 10 year? No, we haven't done a 10 year for any, anything. Right. And well, just, we just passed up the, the hollow, the hollow 10 year. Right. Right. Um, so we'll be coming up on the, yeah, we, we haven't, uh, we haven't done any 10 year stuff. Sorry. Did you finish your question? No, but that was a question. Like, are you planning on doing any of the 10-year anniversary stuff, whether it's tours or releases, like, you know, vinyl releases or anything like that of those records? Because, again, you know, Broken had come out. You were probably really focused on that. And then, obviously, if you were going to do a sleepwalking 10-year, 
it kind of would have been kiboshed anyway, probably. So, yeah, man, it's it's so tough. Um, it seems like those things always for us happen when we're not in a downtime period, like when we're like ramping up new music or something like that. And so we always want to focus ahead and keep moving forward. But I could see, you know, like if Challenger ten year, um, or did that already happen? Nope, next year. Challenger 10 year, like if, if that, if it ended up being at the right time and we weren't like really pushing something new right at that moment, then yeah, we would totally do it. Um, we just want to make sure that we're never interfering with new work because we really do feel like this new body of work is the best thing that we've ever done. And, um, so it's, it's almost like, why would we take a step back when we could just take a few more forward? Yeah. And you do that every two years, it seems every two years, you guys have a new album. So when would you kind of slide in some other kind of thing? You know? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. And between, you know, cause we're not, we're not the biggest band in the world. So, you know, we're very, we're very much stoked on doing like support tours and stuff. So if we're not headlining, we're doing support tours and we're like growing fans and, and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like if we were to do one, maybe challenger would be the one that we would do it for, you know, cause I feel like that record was, was super impactful for us. And, um, like Sleepwalking, so many people will comment and be like, that was my favorite record. But like, I swear if we ever played a song from Sleepwalking Live, people would be like, what is this? Is this them? Is this actually a Memphis song? Yeah. You know, like whoever those people are that comment about Sleepwalking, they're not at the shows, right. you know, because <laughs> it's hard, hard enough. But, but yeah, man, uh, I guess we'll see. It's, it's, there's honest, the honest truth is that we have not had a conversation about it. Everything is about new material right now, um, but we might. Cool. Well, is there anything else that you at this particular point want to shout out about you or your, you know, plug your palmade, your your new Twitch stream that you're going to start barbecuing on or anything with Memphis May Fire? Dude, no, no need to plug. I, you know, like the Memphis stuff is, is why I'm here today. And, and we've got, you know, new music coming out. Guaranteed. You're going to hear it. And I'm excited about it. I'm so excited about it. I feel like this uh, this downtime was a special thing for us to create something that I think that we should have created a long time ago. And it feels, it feels good. And I'm, I'm happy. And thank you for the interview, man. You're always awesome. And um, just an opportunity to, to share my heart and let people get to know me, man. It's important yeah. to me. So thank you. And Hey, you know what? The third time around, it's going to be in person. Like we did the first time. How about that? I'm ready, dude. Same warehouse. I'll be there. Well, I don't know about the same warehouse, but we'll find, we may get yeah. a better spot, but we can definitely go to the warehouse. If you'd like pickleball, we'll play some pickleball. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whatever that I can't is. wait to learn how to play pickleball, dude. <laughs> Right, no, it's all. Thank you so much, but I really do appreciate it. No problem, Matt. And talk to you soon. All right. We'll talk to you soon, man. Take it easy, brother. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.